Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone, and welcome back to None But the Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and if you're a regular listener to our show, you know I normally introduce my great buddy Flynn McClain now, my fantastic partner. Unfortunately, Flynn is sick this week, and we're going to do something a little different tonight because we recorded an interview with Kirk Minahan from Barstool discussing the U.S. leg of the 2014 High Hopes Tour. And the plan was that Flynn and I would record an opening focusing on the shows that we didn't discuss with Kirk. So since Flynn is unavailable and we don't want to delay what we think is a pretty entertaining interview with Kirk, we're just going to go ahead and run it and we'll come back to the other U.S. dates as part of our next episode. So what's going to follow now is Flynn introducing Kirk and things will proceed from there. Our guest tonight is the host of his own Kirk Menahan show on Barstool. He's also now joined forces with Dave Portnoy and Ryan Whitney to create a new show for Barstool called The Unnamed Show. Kirk Menahan, welcome back to the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. My my very favorite podcast in the world. Oh, thank oh, you very much. much. That means a lot. Well, I'm at the Kirk Menahan show, but yes, number <laughs> one. I'm the brave. I'm always happy. To, oh, it's been uh, it's been a, I think since the since I Last saw the year? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot has been going on, including the next show I had lined up, which has been delayed 76 times. The uh, show in Mohegan, which I know we'll talk about another Mohegan show here soon. So yeah, I'm looking forward to more Bruce shows here uh, very soon, which is which is a good thing. Now, to go back to your appearance on our show last year, you, you kind of guaranteed us that Tracks 2 was coming, and you said there, there was going to be a hashtag, Kirk was right. Well, I um, mm-hmm. You know, I know it's not your fault, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you weren't right. For the, did anybody release Tracks 2? Did I love her boys? Did they release <laughs> Tracks 2 out there somewhere? Tone Loke? Did they pro- probably not. No, I, that was probably wishful. I know you guys have been longing that forever. Same. Uh, I hope and hope and hope and hope and hope, and it feels... Like something should come out this year, the 40th anniversary of something. I can't remember what. Boy, I feel like there should be something yeah. released, but no more guarantees. No, no. <laughs> Kirk was wrong. It doesn't happen often. But it, it <laughs> no, happened. it does not. Yeah, it happened. Well, let's get back into the High Hopes Tour. And thank you very much for suggesting the topic. We appreciate it. Uh, now, I forget, which shows did you see on the U.S. leg? So I was in Raleigh, Pittsburgh, Albany, and then the two final shows on the, on the tour uh, in uh, uh, Connecticut. So tell us what you felt seeing these shows first starting in Pittsburgh. As we were talking about with Ted and with Jason last time for the international shows, the entire year of 2014 was just pretty damn wild. Yeah, so I listened to that. And what those guys were articulating was exactly what I was feeling as a fan and kind of a spillover really from the sort of the end of the uh 2012 tour which was that sort of everything was in play i remember going to see him you know in vernon downs in these places where the set lists were getting increasingly wild so you know you went in there not knowing anything you had an idea you know six or eight songs but it was one of those things where you went in and thought you know everything was in play sort of these these dream songs that, that, that you, you might ever hear this song but you, you go in thinking 
there's a chance here tonight. So yeah, I went in there and Pittsburgh's a great Springsteen town. I've seen him there. This is my third time seeing him there. So I was ready for a, for a hot show for sure. You look at the first four songs. It was the debut of Clamp Down, the Clash right. cover, mm-hmm. Stand On It in the fourth spot, followed by Seven Nights to Rock in Which the first a, half an hour of the show. What was that like? If, if I'm remembering this Seven Nights to Rock correctly, I think I am. This was the one where Patty actually sang verses about like guys. She was talking about like John and Paul and Tom, yep. I think. So it was sort of that. It was definitely not the cleanest version of it, but it was fun. And yeah, you're sort of in this thing where. I went in, and I'm with you guys. I actually agree with you guys. Uh, I remember one of your guests last week sort of didn't agree, but I like it best when he has a story and an album and some, you know, wh- whether it's magic or even this last tour where there's sort of a story, a, a narrative thread. This one I was fine with. The, like the weather was getting warmer. Everyone was in a good mood and it was just screw it. Like, let's just play everything. So like the stand on it in the four spot in the seven nights to rock, like make a lot of sense. Like not really, but who cares? So it was kind of a good sloppy enjoyable first uh like maybe hour or so i'm looking at the set list here now you know and then things kind of got to normal a little bit and then it got you know i think i want to be with you was the definitely was the debut uh at that point that was like the nine or ten spot so at that point you're thinking sort of everything's in play back in your arms after that uh and then i have to say by the standard of this tour it was kind of Static or kind of nothing. I don't think anything insane after that, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, f- before we get to that part, yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask about Clampdown. Oh, yeah. uh, it was the first time they had done it. Obviously, Morello was was putting had put a bug in, in Bruce's ear. Uh, I was not really into that song. I wasn't familiar with it beforehand. Were you? And then how did it go over in in, in the arena? Classic. So. Uh, my buddy I was with and I sort of figured out like we're now in the, you know, phone Google search lyrics era. So <laughs> in the middle, we kind of realized, Oh shit, this is what this song is. I knew it kind of, I have to admit, I'm, you know, I'm not as big a clash fan as maybe I should be, but I liked it. I liked it live. And then I, going back over the years, listening to it, I liked that version sort of more and more. I think it sounds pretty good with those guys. Yeah. And, and the audience I think was, you know how it is with shows like that, where I always feel like that opening song, he can kind of play whatever. Like the crowd is going to respond to it. And that one, I think 90% of the audience was the same as I was, kind of what is this and realize what it was. But like it got a pretty good reaction. Well, certainly going into Badlands, if right. he lost anybody, he was right. getting that's them right true. back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was a smart move going to that. And then, you know, whenever you play that early, the crowd was was ready to go. Was, as I recall, it was a, it was a good crowd. Um, they were definitely into it and, and he sounded great. Now that the band sounded you know, re- uh, Seven Nights of Rock was a mess, but I thought the band sounded great. I remember that that night leaving thinking, Jesus, they sound great. Sometimes when things aren't so smooth, that's when you get the, the loosest and, and, and more fun moments. Uh, I think he was talking about in those three songs, Johnny 99, Stan Hunt, and Seven Nights, you got a rockabilly thing going. And I think True. he really he really played that up at that point. For sure, definitely. And then, uh, yeah, then it kind of slowed down. Like I said, I think it was... I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I want to be with you in the back in your arms. Uh, and I thought back in your arms was their much better versions. That was I. That was a sign. I'm pretty sure. And uh, and like good version. I I hadn't heard it maybe in the last couple of years. I'm not sure if I heard it in 2012. So it was always good to hear that. And you're kind of at the point now. Like I said, where you're watching it. I always think this is wild with Springsteen. This is, I went with somebody who had never been before, which is always kind of an interesting perspective too. Because you walk out and you know he says, "Geez, I didn't hear you know." 
my hometown. I didn't hear I'm on fire. I didn't, I didn't hear a ton of love. And it's like, yeah, that you're not, there are shows where you're probably not going to get, I don't know, 12 of his 13, 14 top 10 hits is just not going to happen. As the show continued, you're right. It did settle into a little bit more of a standard pattern with Wrecking Ball, The Promised Land, Youngstown, Lonesome Day, Mary's Place. So that was all pretty straightforward. But then mm-hmm. when you got to the encores yep. here, yep. it really wasn't straightforward. He sat down and he played The Promise, which is always great and has been rare over the years. And, and then there was the pairing talking about theme of the wall into Born in the USA. And we're going to talk about this also uh, later on because it repeats at other shows. But to me, that was one of the most stunning pairings he's ever done. Yeah, I wish, I mean, I wish it was, if it was part of the show every night, it would be great. I mean, Born in the USA, I think should be be played every night. But uh, yeah, I hadn't heard the promise live since Staples Center, that that set in 99. I heard it then. So yeah, when he sat down at the piano, you're kind of thinking, well, what are we going to get here? And yep, promise. Uh, and I, I thought the wall, I think the wall is a great song and I think you, you, right. Pairing with born in the USA is a great combination. Uh, and then Joe comes out and then uh, we're in Pittsburgh. So you get, you know, you have light of day, which I know they sound checked, um, into a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, it was a, and I think it was like a eight or nine on my glasses. I should have, but it's probably a seven or eight song encore, maybe more, but yeah, the promise into the wall into born in the USA was unbelievable. And then interestingly enough, uh, Frankie fell in love. That seems to be, I think uh, Bruce said it's Mrs. Grusecki, Mrs. one of Mrs. Grusecki's favorite songs off the right. album. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say the, you could even tell at that point, I felt that night, I remember feeling this, that the stuff from High Hopes was not resonating particularly strongly. I thought with the audience that much. Um, and because I also think, you know, they were, exp- I think there was such an anticipation, like, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? What are we going to get? And then you get a song like that, which is a fine song, but there's kind of that, okay, we're waiting for something else in the encore. It just felt like a, a time killer. Okay. I guess you, you, there were only four songs off the High Hopes album. Right. Not much played. This show. Yeah. Not much played. Right. Right. Not right. Not much but at you, all. I, yeah. And I kind of got the sense that people were, you know, and you could tell that Bruce, obviously, Bruce knew that too as a tour, as a show, you know, few and fewer songs from it's It's a wild tour, and it just felt like. He just felt like going out and playing a bunch of random songs. Like he wasn't touring behind this record. Right. I mean, That's not right. particularly. It just felt like an excuse to go out and do, you know, a kind of a mini tour, which I think, which I thought was great, like, like sort of unusual for him. And, and just, you know, like every show you went in knowing like you're going to get a, a great, crazy set list. And moving on to Raleigh, which was the very next show, this one actually on paper doesn't seem quite as bold as some of the other set lists from this year uh, what did you think of of the raleigh show it was a good show i was saying i think before we started i was saying the flint so i had I, with my schedule at the time on the radio i was kind of figuring out to take a few days off so i was either going to do uh charlotte and pittsburgh or pittsburgh and raleigh i chose the latter one and you were mentioning your your bucket list songs he opened uh charlotte with uh, what you guys i'm sure will talk about it with Iceman, which was to me, once I saw, I was, I was heart. I remember seeing it and thinking, "This is great." But I was heartbroken that I wasn't going to see that. And I am very confident that I'm never going to see that song live in my entire life. I'm going to guess on uh, this leg of the tour. I'm not going to hear Iceman. Just, just, just <laughs> I'm just going to take a guess. Sadly, uh, we are forced yeah. to agree. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah. So he's played what Flint three times? Is that right? Um, in the last whatever. Is it, yeah, three uh, times. It was three, the Tower. Yeah. Paris? And, no, was that my Paris, right? yeah. Tower, Paris, and, and Charlotte. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. With, uh, Raleigh was, you know, was a good show. 
Um, again, like by the standard that, 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 that we're going to talk about these later shows, not as crazy, but I enjoyed it. Uh, like good crowd. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of anything. Well, well, the thing about that show is that Jessica, yep. uh, she was attending Duke at the time. And yep. so the entire was, well, there was a pit and I think there was actually a pit before the pit. Yes. And that, that People inner we know pit, went in and there was a pit blocked off in front of the traditional pit. Yeah, right. they're all in the front row. Her and all her friends, I believe. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. It was yep, all so. That. So I got the feeling that Bruce was kind of playing to to her and her friends, and and it seems like when he's trying to do that, he goes a little more conservative in his yep. set list choices. Mm-hmm. And this is an obvious example. Obviously, he was going to highlight some Patty songs. You got Brilliant Disguise, right? And then you did get Pretty Flamingo, where he did talk about meeting Patty and, and such. A little yep, different right, than back in '75. And I think but, they sound checked Human Touch that night, which would obviously be her as well. They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And that, that would have been a, what I would consider a much more interesting song than Brilliant Disguise. Definitely. Though I like the Atlantic City Brilliant Disguise. I kind of like that combination. That was that night. Those are two of my favorites. But yeah, I would have, if you, I would definitely swap out Human Touch for, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, so Patty I, was there with all, she was, yeah, right. They had the whole front there. And you're right. Like it was sort of a, it was it was nothing when you look at the set list I remember watching being there nothing jumps out as a super crazy memorable moment like a perfectly good show had a good time and left kind of thinking oh maybe this tour is starting to turn in uh, turns to be completely wrong <laughs> but this is turning into sort of a semi standard tour like it's kind of trying to figure out what it is but yeah no I would say of the 3 uh, of the three I've talked about here, the five I was at, this is probably the one that was I probably liked the least. It was fine, but yeah, I have no great memories about it. Yeah, exactly. Growing up was rare at the time, and as I mm-hmm. said, pretty pretty flamingo. But but otherwise, yeah, not ex- nothing uh, too exciting in the set list. And it makes sense because I guess with Jessica and her friends there, Iceman stuff like that, <laughs> that was not going to appeal to that particular audience. No, though, I, though I'm guessing these college kids are not clamoring for, you know, Atlantic City and Johnny 99. Like, it's probably not tales that these call. You know, I mean, I, I wonder when she brings her friends to these shows, like, these college kids don't know any Bruce Springsteen songs. This guy's going to be, you know, so, I mean, just why, why not just go for it? But, yeah, I mean, he it was, I mean, what is, you know, but, yeah, it was a, uh, it, was, it was like a B minus by, by my standard Springsteen show. If, I, if, you, if you rank them all, it'd be somewhere probably toward the bottom half. All right, well, let's move on to the three shows we all saw at the tail end of the tour, beginning in Albany, May 13, 2014. Now, <laughs> when we talk about wild shows, this is about as wild as I think I've seen. Not the best show, to be sure, but an incredibly crazy set list from the moment it started that night in Albany. Fl- Flynn, what did you uh, take away from the opening of the Albany show? Well, actually, it's funny. I disagree with you that it was, I mean, it was wild. It was a wild set list. But I think as as a narrative or, or an emotional arc of a show, I thought this was the best one I saw. Oh, you mean uh, in 2014? Yeah, in 2014. Yeah, I would agree this is the best of the three shows oh, I saw in 2014. Totally agree. I, yeah. I, I hate to yeah, agree. Yeah, but it, it, it was, you had some wild stuff. Uh, Treat Her Right, where that girl jumped up on stage with her. That was crazy. Um, Save the Last Dance for Me and Kingdom of Days Acoustic. Those were the uh, the tour debuts. And then you had Better Day, Seaside Bar Song, and Mary's Place. So I thought, but those worked 
in sequence very well. I thought this was a very good show. Uh, as I said, definitely the best of 2014 for me. I did not expect walking into the arena that night that I was going to get treat her right into something in tonight into something in the night and to save the last dance for me. It was not, it was not, was that and something in the night is something I've been chasing forever. I've, I've only heard it once on the devils and dust tour in Connecticut. So I never heard it with the band. Oh, wow. And after treat her right, I did not expect to hear something <laughs> in the night. I just, it just felt, and it was not on the set list. Like, I think this, there was no, forgetting something in the night, which is one of my favorite songs. Was there seven cover songs, six cover? Well, there's don't change, right? Treat her right. Save the last dance for me. Right. Staying alive. Staying alive, yeah. Uh, Shout. Shout. So, yeah, there were five? About five. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, sort of a, yeah, kind of a crazy, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, High Hopes, too, would be a cover song. So, Oh, good point. Yeah, six. (laughs) forget about that. You have six cover songs that night, but they were all, it saved the the last dance for me was great. And I thought Kingdom Kingdom of Days was a, was a real highlight also so that's like a forgotten again you'll never hear it again it's not on a great album but it was sort of this acoustic great version oh it was, it was beautiful a, oh great just a wild i thought it was a wild show i, I went in like i said off of raleigh kind of thinking okay and then once don't change started which i love we were kind of off to the races but i would agree i think this was the, the high point of of this tour and he really went with the crowd that night i'm actually looking at the set list right now after Treat or Right on the set list was Hunter of Invisible Game and then Into Heaven's Wall. Now, neither of those were played, and they were both lesser-known songs off of High Hopes, of course. Clearly doing something in the night and then followed it by that Save the Last Dance to me, which was a request. A, a girl in the audience asked him to dance with her mother. Her mom, right. Yeah, he really altered the show midstream there, and it, it really kicked it into a much higher gear. Because he had kind of a wild sound check. Well, I guess not. He played. He sound checked all or nothing at all, which I think he played the show before in Houston, which I yes. wouldn't have minded hearing with the band. I thought it was a pretty good version of the one in Houston, actually. But uh, but yeah, you could tell like he went totally off off the uh, off the set list at that point. I did not need, need to hear Hunter of Invisible Game. I didn't I need to watch that video again. I don't need to hear that. It's a fine song, but yeah, I was I was okay yeah. with that. To go back to Hal's question though, talking about the start of the show, mm-hmm. I thought this was it started in high gear with Don't Change as you mentioned and then going into My Love, No Surrender, and then a surprisingly strong This Is Your Sword. I was not expecting yeah. it to be that good and it worked so well coming after no surrender and then then into badlands and even no that was great and even you know when the sign went up for mary's place i kind of i was like oh jesus here we go and it was a much like it's been the last much better stripped down not crazy into staying alive which i liked when they when when he played it uh the beginning of the tour and i i kind of like that song i like that version of that song it's i think it's a great first of all I think it's a great song. I think Barry Gibb is like one of the great underrated songwriters of all time. But I thought it was a great version. I enjoyed it. Same here. I, I like that song, period. And it's fun. And he had a good time with it. Didn't have strings for this one like he did down in, Aus- in Australia. Right. But right. It, was, it was still pretty darn good. I enjoyed it, too, though I didn't need to see it again a couple of nights later. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Uh, yep. Before we move on to Mohegan, let's talk about the encores in Albany. Now, we got the Wall Born in the USA pairing, which was phenomenal. And then the end, not an unusual set of songs, 10th Avenue, Ramrod, Shout, Thunder Road, but 
he had really tapped into something that night. I remember the ramrod in particular was off the charts in terms of the energy. Do you guys remember that? I don't know if I remember that or not. I remember that I, I just was probably hyper-focused and still remember that pairing that started off. So I don't remember the ramrod version of it. But yeah, I mean, I remember the, the wall and the Born in the USA sounding, sounding great. And that, Born in the USA was not on the set list either that night. I don't think it was. The other thing yeah. about the Encore was the Thunder Road was full band, which a lot of those shows in 2014, he ended with the acoustic version. This is also goes to what I was talking to because the Thunder Road being full band had the ending capped on a much higher energy note than when he was ending with the acoustic songs, which also worked great, but it was just a totally different feel. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. All right. Well, let's move on to Mohegan, which was basically like a Springsteen convention weekend in Connecticut. And literally, I mean, Flynn, how many people did we know in that building? The place holds about, I think, 10,000 for a concert. Uh, we must have known uh, like five to 10% of the building. At least, at least we knew, what, we knew a lot of people in the pit and, and Bruce knew that people were coming in from all over. And so he, I mean, he started off the, uh, those two nights with a sound check that included the promised version of racing in the street, seven angels, which has never been played price you pay and gave it a name, which I would not put on my top 10 songs that I, I was dying to hear, but he sound checked it, but didn't play it. Did and we heard that sound check. Dumb question. Did he? I, I think the answer is no, but you guys know better than me. He did not play Gave It a Name on Devils and Dust, did he? Never played it. No, no. never played it, right? That feels like that would have been a throwaway opener on one of the Devils and Dust shows. But yeah, I was not, I, yeah, I was not in my top 100 list to want to hear, but if he played, it would have been great. Yeah. Big night for you, though, Hal. I think you got Jesse James that night, right? How <laughs> <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> You're trying, yes, that was the most jarring oh, transition. That's right. <laughs> That yes. was the most jarring transition I think we've ever experienced. Yeah, we'll yes, I remember. I didn't know you, obviously, but that sign you had up for Jesse James was embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, was mad. And I, and I was dressed in character. Yeah. Froggy went to court in the second night. I thought, geez, this guy's lost his mind. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's, let's go back to the opener, though, of yeah. Racing in the Street, the Promise oh, version. Awesome. But what was really it weird. really. No, yeah, it was great to see it though. Yeah, it was really yeah. weird because he, it was the music from the promise, but the but sound, then, right, right. But the yeah. lyrics were were from the album. <laughs> it was the album, it just yeah. just didn't quite work for me. I was like, "Come on, Bruce, if you're going to do it, let's let's go full hog here." I sometimes wonder if we. That, it sounds crazy if we know if we just remember it more than he does. Like, is he <laughs> just not? Is, do I just care more than he does about this stuff? Or you? I guess uh, the answer is obviously I, yes. I believe so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Because you hear at the beginning, you think, "Okay, here we go." But yeah, it was, it was a little messy for sure. Yeah. And then I, then I thought "Clamp Down" here really kind of felt felt like a dud here. I'll be, I'll be yeah. honest. A hundred percent. You know, I, I guess spot. people were expecting, you know, a Seven Angels or or something along those lines. And then he he does this Clash cover that's pretty unknown. And even though it's a small place, I kind of think he lost some people there and. 
And he had to come back and he played three songs, you know, Badlands, Ties and Two Hearts to, to keep things going. I actually, being in the crowd that night, sort of anticipated Badlands in that spot right there. I was just yes. kind of thought like, all right, this seems like a natural Badlands. All right, here we go. Let's get started. Then it gets a little goofy. But yeah, that was a weird, you're right. I remember thinking this doesn't, it didn't feel like it did at the, at the other shows, which where, where it opened. So yeah, it was definitely a strange placement. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is that Steve came back. Steve had been absent from this right. entire leg until these last two shows. And he apparently flew in just to do these two shows. And, and he was kind of tired. So he was uh, he was struggling up there on stage a little bit. Well, one of the things that I felt, uh, and I agree, Badland should have followed Racing in the Street. This show sort of veered all over the place. And we were joking before, and we'll get to the Prove It All Night into Jesse James, which is uh, just inexplicable. But it wasn't just there. It, it, it sort of went back and forth. And he never really captured a vibe like he had in Albany or like we've seen in some of the other great shows. It certainly had some great setless nuggets, as we would like to say, but the show itself did not fully work, I think, in the main set. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, looking at it now, just it just seems so strange there. And I remember, yeah, I remember that night thinking, you know, you leave and you think, geez, you have all these great, crazy songs, but you're right. They never found that that rhythm and and even the songs that you they were excited to hear just was in just weird spots like it just felt like yeah. it was a mishmash that night and he couldn't quite you know sort of solve the plot sort of the whole night there were great moments or high moments but but yeah it seemed like he could never quite figure it out yeah i i thought through high hopes was pretty strong not exactly adventurous but it was strong but then going into three covers in a row raise your hand Quarter the three and staying alive. As Hal said, staying alive is good. Don't really need it to see, see did, it twice. Yeah, did not and, land there. Yeah. You know, and if you're going to do quarter the three, if you're going to do quarter the three, let's throw, throw it in the encores. And I, I think it'll really freshen, would have freshened that up quite a bit. Yeah. And that went into the sort of the sell side part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Hearts, Hearts of Stone talked to me, uh, South Side Double Shot, I think Bruce right. called it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Right. That, that was when things really picked up because after those two, you had Price You Pay for the only tour performance. And that was, uh, that, that now that was good. That was, that was phenomenal. And I do think Talk to Me is like an underrated, even if you're not a hardcore, I was with my brother that night who was not, who's a good, but not, he doesn't know that song. Talk to me is one of those songs, though, that like everybody likes. Like it does pick up the energy of the crowd always. Every time I've ever heard it live, it's one of those songs that always lands. Yeah, even when, especially when Southside does it at his own shows, I feel true. like it's like yes, all of a sudden things just got just went up a notch. Definitely true. And the the American Skin was also very good. Now it it slowed things down a little, but Morello was great on that song, and of course it was followed by Promised Land as it usually was. Mm -hmm. And then we got to this segment we were joking about, but it really is indicative of what was going on. Prove It All Night was played, and suddenly, out of nowhere, Prove It ended, and they went right into Jesse James. Now, my feelings, of course, are well known on this, but what did you guys think about Jesse James following Prove It All Night? It was interesting. I don't I don't even think Prove It ended. I think he segued right from exactly. one to the other. He just yeah. went boom right into it. And yeah, that was kind of a uh, whiplash there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I, I, Secret Sessions, I think, stinks. Like, it's just it just is not for me. Like, I, I it's it's fine. I hope people like it. Great, but I just started. I actually started. I remember laughing when I heard. That. I remember I actually was eating a pretzel. I actually remember this. And I was During holding it. 
No, no, no. Just, in my hand, I'm saying I had the pretzel. I got, and, and, and then Jesse James started. I remember just eating the pretzel and looking at this and thinking, what am I, what am I, what am I witnessing here? Why is he playing this? There's so many songs I could hear right now. And he's playing Jesse James. I, I did not, I did not understand it, but yeah, it was a proven all night into Jesse James is, is, is not going to happen again. Uh, no, th- thankfully. Thank and, and I'm a Jesse James fan. I like the secret sessions. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking at this point in the tour, second to last night, as Hal said, you had Bruce fans from literally all over the world. Not the, not the song I would have picked, but uh, it's Bruce, an odd choice to say the least. Exactly, and then it kind of kind of got normal, shackled and drawn. Tom Joe, uh, nowhere rising, and then uh, a set main set ending of Light of Day. Mm-hmm. But let me point out that the energy through Joe was really low. Now uh, you and I, Flynn, we were right near the front, and I could see Bruce's lips. He knew something had gone wrong. Radio Nowhere was not on the set list. And he audible to Radio Nowhere. And that did help bring the energy back up in the building because they play the hell out of that. But yeah, there was a big lull there uh, from the Jesse James on. Absolutely. And I, I think he did get it back for the most part with those, yeah. with Radio Nowhere rising and then, and then Light of Day, as I said. I thought Light of Day was tremendous. It was. It wasn't, uh, you know, the 15 minute thing we got in 99, 2000. So it, it would kind of was more compact. Then heading into the encores, I thought the encores were spectacular. They started with a double shot of acoustic songs, I'll Work For Your Love, which he was clearly playing for the audience in attendance, and uh, just a, a fantastic version of Growing Up. And he seemed to really be speaking to the fan base, as we were pointing out. I He clearly knew that people had come from all over the place to attend these two shows, and I really felt that pairing was for us, all of the fans. What did you guys agree? Yeah, I felt like the closest thing, like you guys said earlier, I felt like the closest thing I've ever been to to like a Springsteen convention. Like it did feel that way. And I and like I didn't really know anybody, but I could just see with my brother walking around before the show and going to wrestle. Like everybody kind of knew everybody. And he was obviously aware. I think am I wrong that he jumped on with Dave Marsh before that yes. show? Uh, and acknowledge that on serious. So you could tell he was very aware. And sometimes I wonder how aware he how aware he is of all this stuff. But that night in that second show, he seemed you know sort of hyper aware of that. What I thought was unusual about these encores is that it's it's eight songs, four are acoustic. Yeah, and they were great choices. As right. you said, growing up was amazing. He told a story about the hair the hairdressing salon uh, below his apartment and. I'll work for your love is always, always a good thing. And, uh, and then, yeah, finishing up the show with two, two acoustic songs. Fall yeah, the behind. second encore was all acoustic, right? Yeah. Fall behind yeah. and Thunder yeah. Road. Right. And yeah, that was, that was different. And I thought, I thought it was actually very, very good. I thought it was great. It was. And then we left the arena that night and we went back to our hotels and, We got ready for the final night of the tour and what we didn't know. And this is, I think, one of the most debated shows, perhaps, that Bruce has ever played in terms (laughs) of the fan base and the quality. If you look at the set list, it's absolutely insane, batshit crazy. Bananas. (laughs) But there was also stuff that occurred during the show. I think Bruce was very fatigued. And as we've mentioned before on the podcast, 
this was the last time he ever played back-to-back nights with the E Street Band. Since yep. then, they went to at least one night between the shows. And of course, now in 2024, in most cases, there are two nights between the shows. But for me, this is not really a, a great show. It was a tremendously fun night, but not one that I think of in the canon. Uh, and I've been lucky to see so much but not one that I think of as, wow, that was really one of the great shows that I've seen. Do you guys agree? But I don't think, uh, sure, but I, like, I don't think that can really be your standard for this tour. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not looking at it properly, but I think you know going in that these shows are just going to be wild. Like, is this going to be like the show I saw in Hartford and the reunion tour? No. But like, I knew going in that, the, I had a feeling like this was going to be a crazy set list. I didn't know how crazy, but I get what you're saying. And he definitely seemed, you know, worn down, but I never went into these shows thinking I'm going to see one of the greatest Springsteen shows of all time on this tour. It just wasn't my expectation. Well, this, this show in terms of the set list, it really rewarded the longtime fans or the fanatics who, who traveled all over the world playing stuff from, from 92 and even, even disc four tracks as well as tracks itself. But then, yeah, it kind of hit a, he hit a wall right around the ghost of Tom Joe. And had he not hit that wall, had he been able to keep it going, it would have been uh, a, a legendary show. I think uh, Walk I think Like a Man right. was, was on there, solo piano arrangement indicated. Right. That just would have been holy, a holy crap moment for a lot of people. And But yeah, he um, just couldn't follow through on what he had done in the first half of the show. Well, I think also he had written a set list, which was very much in keeping with what we were talking about, that he had written one as sort of a final night for the tour. And it included, as Flynn just mentioned, Walk Like a Man, which was going to open the encores and was clearly thematic uh, for the night. And he had had some other stuff on there, Streets of Fire, Lucky Town, that didn't wind up getting played. And I think besides for his fatigue, which definitely impacted the selections in the second half of the show, I think in the first half, the signs actually sent this show sort of off kilter. And uh, I'm thinking we didn't need Santa Claus. Definitely not. Definitely In May, you know, and look, he acknowledged a young girl who was cute and all that. But the like the five and six slots were Santa Claus and Seven Angels. And I think it was great to see Seven Angels. But originally on the set list, he had Adam raised the cane, Streets of Fire, and those were going to be followed by Frankie. So he had really put some thought into the set list that he wrote. And that's not actually what wound up getting played. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Let's go back to the beginning where he opened with Roll the Dice and Leap of Faith, two songs from 1992, of course. And then those songs, and I'm going to be curious to hear what we all think of this, were followed by a cover of Van Halen's Jump, which, of course, is on their record 1984. And that was also a very big year for Bruce, as we know. Jump, are we yay or nay? Well, I've said many times, when I was a 10-year-old, there were two roads I could have gone. I I worshipped Bruce Springsteen and Van Halen. I could have taken a right and gone with Van Halen or a left. I took a left and went with Bruce. So who knows where I'd be right now? 
I love 1984. I've, I, I've, I have the album. I've played it five million times. I hated. Uh, was that the was that that final four show? They, yes. Yeah. yeah. I hated that version then. I hated that version. <laughs> I just. It's not. Look. It's not. There are just certain songs that don't fit. You know, Bruce could probably do a Van Halen song better than John. I just don't like the way that version sounds with them. I just don't like it. I do not like it. Well, I listening back on it, it Bruce's voice is just it doesn't go that high. Right. It, it needs a higher register to be for it to be done well, and he just he just didn't have it. I thought it fit really well. Maybe it wasn't the greatest of performance, but I thought thematically it was it was fine at, at the Dallas Final yeah, Four sense. event, right. but. If he was trying to make a comment about the, was it, doesn't the WNBA team play in that, in that oh, arena? Yeah. Yeah. The Mystics are in DC. Actually. DC right. Yeah. One yeah, of the few things I know about. Right. Them. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, maybe does Rebecca Lobo, was she up there or something? I'm trying to think. I, think there was some, 14, I, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Some, but I, I, I mean, that's a, if he was doing that, that's a, that's yeah, quite a stretch. Quite, yeah. Quite. Yeah. Quite, quite a reach there. And just didn't quite work. I, you know, if he had gone into, say lucky town or better days there i probably would have lost my lost my brain right there and so right. would have foul and i like the yeah. one two punch to start like i had no pro- i thought that was pretty oh, it was great yeah i was excited you know those are songs you almost never hear so i was happy. i even liked the whole at the beginning did you lose your money <laughs> yeah, i was fine I was, that was good that was a good time like i'm like all right here we go and then jump and it kind of everyone knows the song of course but i thought it definitely kind of slowed the audience down for a bit he got them back but yeah yeah, oh, I think they were stunned. I think the audience was like, what the hell is going on here? True. Well, I think they were, they, I thought, I felt they were into it. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm just uh, reaching back and misremembering or whatever. But I thought he got him back with Frankie. And yep. And then I thought Seven Angels and Don't Look Back were great. Awesome. Yeah. They were great. Yes. With Santa, again, not needed. The Santa Claus was just, I, I don't think it worked. Did it work in the building? No. No, it was confusing. Um, it, it was May. It was just, it didn't make it no sense. It just made, it was like, what the hell's going on? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Again, I'm sitting there saying, well, you know, I know there's only so many songs left on this tour. Why are you, but then, you know, but then you, to your point, you go, Seven Angels, Don't Look Back, Darkness, back to back to back. And then, you know, we're all good. That's true. And then I, I kind of feel like he just gave everybody a solo there. Um, High Hopes, Youngstown, Murder Incorporated. It was. I feel like he pulled out Murder just to give Steve a solo, uh, just a, one of his one of his best solos of the last right. twenty five years. Right. And he anyway, let, Adam raised a cane, you know, which is one of my favorites. So it's it's always good to hear that. Yeah, he had four guitars going off on that one. <laughs> that is true. Everyone was there. <laughs> yeah, that was a hot stretch. The Murder Inc., Johnny Ninety Nine, Cadillac Ranch, I'm a Rocker, Loose Ends, and then that's. I, I think if I remember properly, it was right during those songs, uh, Cadillac mm-hmm. Ranch, I'm a Rocker, thereabouts, where you could see he was really starting to have energy he, issues. I think it's the fair way of putting it. He hit a wall. Uh, and I'm Kirk, you're a runner. Uh, I don't know if you've done a marathon. I have, yeah. Have you hit, you've hit a wall. Have yeah, you I mean, not? it's it's really not pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, I, put, I hit the wall hard. It is not pleasant. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not fun at all. And he, that's what happened here. And that last looks like the last hour of the show. I'm sure he was he was working really hard because he didn't have much in the tank at that point. Yeah, and the set list obviously shows that. Like it was definitely you know pretty standard, and then we were kind of done at that point. But all the way through, loose ends. Yep, like everything was in play. Every song in the catalog. I mean, when you're playing Santa Claus Coming to Town and Seven Angels at the same show, back like, to back, back to back, everything's a possibility. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's interesting that he did Jungle Land because that was a song that yeah. it, it it allowed him to rest because there's that yeah he didn't move the, much in this a long, long solo sax solo right yeah, that yeah. legendary yeah. solo goes on for like three minutes so he could he was able to relax and he did not sound very good on Dream Baby Dream he was really um, he was really sucking wind on that one so you guys with those three I, shows you would go Albany mohegan night would you go night two still over night one though just because of the set list definitely i yeah, would I yeah i would as well yeah 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 that albany was definitely the uh the highlight of that tour for me but i enjoy, i enjoyed the virginia beach show that i saw in april a lot as, as well that was had some pretty unique stuff in there and i did really enjoy the both mohegan shows as they were happening uh, the 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 second night in particular i mean it did open with seven straight tour debuts when are we going to see that again <laughs> well <laughs> jump really wasn't a tour debut i know bruce bay's has it as a tour uh, that's debut true. but they uh, well, played I'm it looking at bruce bay's now yeah, yeah they, they played don't it consider April, the dallas on. show as part of the tour all right well yes. it's, it's, disagree but, with bruce bay's on that one it was a very interesting evening. There are a lot of people because of the wildness of the set and all the tour premieres who get upset when we leave this one out of our discussions about the the top tier shows. But there was just something a, a little off on this night. And uh, I think his physical issues definitely had something to do with it. But I just wish there were there have been two shows. And, and I think both nights he had physical issues. So it's probably not a coincidence. There have been two shows that... We've seen Kirk. Were you at the uh, Labor Day show in Philly in 2012? I was not. Yeah, because that was another show where he had written out a handwritten set list that really was thought out with all sorts of cool stuff. And and there too, he it was very very hot that night and humid and, and humid. Yeah, and he was he also I think hit a wall in that show, and he, he varied tremendously off the handwritten set list and went to more standard material, but uh, you can't take anything away from it. I mean, it was a tremendously fun weekend. Yeah. And I love the tour. Like it's, I look back very, that's why I sent you that message. I look back fondly on this weird sort of almost parentheses in his tour career where he just kind of for a few months said, let's just go do this before, you know, doing the river there a couple of years later. This is something I, it's, when I look back at these set lists, I just, I mean, obviously we're never going to see anything close to this ever again. Sad to say, but just just the way it is. Yeah, it was it was a wild four or five months in there with 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 these shows, and you know we talk about whether a show has a narrative or an emotional arc or whatever. These shows didn't have it; really didn't need it for the most part. It was fun uh, if you wanted the narrative arc, go back to Wrecking Ball, or you look ahead to the River, or or now or twenty twenty three twenty four. Uh, but these were just anything goes, and and it was a lot of fun, and. I, I put together some playlists from this tour and it, it's really, it's amazing just how many different songs he did. I I don't know. I don't have the count. It must be at least a hundred. Has to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there was just wild variety and you know, it's like Kirk was saying, I mean, some of the choices you do sort of scratch your head, you know, Jesse James on this Springsteen convention weekend, when there were songs off the river or darkness, uh, you know, that people want to hear other cooler songs off tracks that I'm sure we would want to hear, but you just have to appreciate the sort of <laughs> craziness that was going on here. And as, as Kirk says, we're definitely not going to see again. I almost pair it in a weird way. They're obviously two totally different tours, but by the end of the devils and dust tour, when things were getting just sort of 
crazy. You, you know, I remember looking at Backstreet's the next day at some of these shows, and he's play, I was like, he's, he's playing this song? He's playing that song? You know, sort of that end of the tour thing, which, you know, again, I don't know. I'm optimistic. I think maybe he'll revert to some level of that um, uh, coming forward in the next few months. Maybe I'll be wrong. But yeah, uh, uh, like great, great memories of this tour. Do I do I listen to the the album uh, much? I do not. <laughs> but uh, but that's okay. Like it was it was a good tour. Yeah, album is so odds and sods. As yeah, I said in the last episode, and, right? Slapped together. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you had the four songs with Morello, and then you had songs from like uh, from uh, the Rising and yeah, you know, Magic that just didn't fit in and. Hey, it's it's uh, tracks disc tracks two disc five. True. <laughs> if you look at it that way, it's I told a lot you. Bigger. I told you it'd be released. It just happened to be ten years ago. Yeah. Well, it was between two thousand five and uh, two thousand fourteen. Exactly. The one thing I'll say in regards to the Devils and Dust tour, I do think even at the end, he was a little bit more locked into right. his narrative structure. Of course, sure. he was playing songs off the Devils and Dust album all the way till the end. This, he definitely, you're right what you said at the beginning. You know, he put out this record. I think he just wanted to have some material out. It's interesting as we're talking in 2024, because of course, as he heads into this year, we've now been, what, three and a half years since Letter to You came out. This, in the past, would have definitely been a spot where he would have released something prior to touring. But now I think he's just going with what he's already put together. And the album here in 2014, it just sort of functioned as to have something out there to play a couple of these songs. And, you know, some of them were interesting and and some of them I I, I think were less so. I would have liked to have seen Hunter of Invisible Game the one time, I will say that. Yeah, I mean everything for one off for me is always worth it. Like even if it's, I'd rather hear a one off than something I like that I just like. You know, yeah, I'd be fine with that trade off. I get that. Yeah, I would rather hear something unusual. I mean, as we were talking about the Cardiff release, I'd rather hear a sloppy TV movie than a, a note perfect out in the street. Uh, I want to hear hear something new, hear something different. And he gave it. He that's what he gave us in 2014. So, Kirk, we thank you so much again for joining us, and we yeah. thank you for all the support of our show. It means the world to us. It's it's really awesome, and uh, you're welcome on any time. Thanks, guys. Hopefully, I'll see you uh, in the next few months uh, on, on, on the road out there somewhere. I'll be in Albany and Mohegan, so hopefully I'll catch up with you guys. I think I'll be at one of those two. I don't, I'm not sure which one yet. Yeah, yeah, I won't, but hopefully later in the year. There you go. Hope to see you. All right, guys. Thank you again. Thanks, guys. Once again, that was Kirk Minahan. And from there, Flynn and I were going to just briefly discuss the fact that the second Mohegan show was pulled from circulation after it was released originally as part of the official live series. To make a long story short, in 2014, the shows were released by Live Nation. After that, Bruce then made a deal with Nugs. They transferred everything over. But when that happened, Mohegan 2 was not put up on Nugs. It's never been available for sale there. And speculation is from us, and I think pretty much from everyone, that at some point Bruce or his people had listened to that show and they decided that the second half of the show, he sounded pretty ragged. So they decided just to take it from circulation. I would say everything should be out. Obviously, that one was already out. So I don't know what the point of that was. And hopefully at some point they will return it, but I wouldn't bet on that. The other thing I want to tell you is about our next couple of episodes. We expect there's going to be an archive release for March prior to the tour. 
If that happens, we're going to do a review show, and now we'll probably add the other High Hopes material to that. And then in mid-March, we're going to do a show looking at the 25th anniversary of the reunion era beginning, because of course, on March 18th, 1999, they kicked things off in Asbury, and as hard as it is to believe, it's been 25 years. Uh, It's just pretty mind-blowing. So with that, I'll wrap things up, uh, our usual spiel. Check out our Patreon offerings, patreon.com slash Podcast On Twitter, we're at mbtbpodcast. I'm Hal Schwartz. And for Flynn McLean, we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.